Hi, listeners. Cam and I are taking the time during this break to plan the future of translating ADHD. We've selected some of our best episodes to rerun for you in the meantime. We are also taking applications for our next coaching groups, both of which begin Tuesday, September 12th. Equanimity with Cam will meet at 1 p.m. Eastern, and Self-Care meets at 8 p.m. Eastern. For more information, visit the website translatingadhd.com and click on the Group Coaching tab. New episodes will resume Monday, September 18th, and we look forward to seeing you then. Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. A quick reminder, applications are now open for our Resilience Group Coaching class, which begins Wednesday, June 22nd at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. For more information on the class itself, pricing, and how to apply, visit the website translatingadhd.com and click on the Group Coaching tab. So Cam, what is on your mind for us for today? So Shelly, it's funny how we get to these topics. So what's on my mind today is what's been recently in our Discord community. And a question has come up and a conversation around this of when you're trying to figure out this ADHD stuff and you don't necessarily have the support of your partner and how to proceed in that really difficult situation. And so I thought that it'd be a great topic for today. And I love your saying of this larger topic around when people have kind of two sets of information. As you said, everybody's playing Texas Hold'em, but the person with ADHD has been dealt a hand of Uno. <laughs> I love that, by the way. <laughs> and I can't take credit for that metaphor. I pilfered it from Reddit a long time ago, but it's something I've been using in my talks to describe the ADHD experience as a whole. Meaning we can see that we're holding Uno cards, but no one else can see it. And so the people around us are frustrated that we can't play the game. We can't follow the rules. And we're frustrated by that too, but for different reasons. And add in the complicating factor of one down with ADHD and not having language to be able to articulate our experience to others accurately, maybe even not having a good awareness of what that experience is. And it's easy for us to look at a scenario like a challenging relationship and A, assume it's all our fault and B, not know what to do to fix it. We're acutely aware of the behaviors that are frustrating our partners. But again, we seek out prescriptive solutions for those behaviors and find that we can't get any traction. So the bigger theme here is, you know, how do you succeed at the game if you're not sure of the rules of the game that you're playing? And today, and we're going to look at a lot of different work scenarios. Today, we're going to look at really, I think, one of the most difficult scenarios. And that's in your primary relationship, right? That when you've been with someone for a long time, you've discovered that the ADHD is in play. And yet, at this moment or sometime before, your partner has pretty much given up and closed down, is not offering any support, and in fact, may be offering some real negatives in the sense of anger, resentment, judgment, and thrusting you more into that one-down situation. 
And so this was the discussion in our Discord community. And it's often the discussion that comes up in my group coaching class that I teach for Melissa Orloff. And so it's top of mind for me because tomorrow I start that class and I'm going to absolutely guarantee that more than a third of the participants are going to be in this dynamic where their partner has pretty much thrown up their hands and they're not feeling the support and they have to kind of how to proceed when you're really by yourself. And I love what you said, Shelly, and we'll dig in there is the, the elements there that are in play of why are we holding UNO cards? It's because of not having awareness, not having language to articulate our experience. Because, and we're going to talk about this today with the communication aspect is a huge part to start to relate to each other. Oh, wait a second. I've got Uno cards and you're all playing poker. I think it's really important to call out before we dive into this episode. And we've talked about this before that urgency in coaching and or urgency in doing the type of work we ask you to do here on the podcast really don't mix. And we've talked about that before in the context of work. When someone comes to coaching and they feel like their back is against the wall and they're about to lose their job. I also see it in relationship scenarios like this one. Now, that doesn't mean this work is impossible, but it does mean you have to be willing to step back and detach from outcome a little bit, which is really hard to do when we're talking about your livelihood or your primary relationship. But if you're attaching to that outcome of it's my job to fix this and my job alone, the work that we're laying out in this episode and the work that we describe overall is not going to be real effective. And I just think that's really important to say because it's a difficult position to be in. But one where the first thing you or I do with a client like that is really work to invite them into curiosity. And it's really hard to be curious when your livelihood or your primary relationship or something that important to you on your hierarchy of needs is being threatened. That's a great point. Uh, so a term that I don't really like because it's not completely accurate, but it works, and we'll use it here, is this parent-child dynamic that can occur in a primary relationship where you've got one person with ADHD and one person without ADHD. And so that parent-child dynamic, it seems like a parent-child, but it's actually not. What it is, is you have someone who has a glitchy prefrontal cortex and executive function center. And so what do they do, right? I've been married for almost 30 years, but at that time when I was struggling with my undiagnosed ADHD, I looked around and, yeah, there was an attractive executive function. <laughs> <laughs> I think I may have been more attracted to my wife's executive functioning than her looks. <laughs> Thank God she doesn't listen to this podcast. That's not true. She was quite a looker and she still is. <laughs> so what I did was hitched my wagon to her executive function set of horses or locomotive. And it sets up this dynamic of I'm reliant on her to set agenda. And also I will then be responsive. She would say, hey, what do you want to do? I'd be like, yeah, whatever you want to do. Kind of reactive to her setting up structures because I didn't know I struggled with creating structure myself. So it was sort of this kind of reactive and reactant to 
the structure she was able to set up around me. Well, guess what happens after 15 years, which happened in my relationship, was that person who's setting up all the structures and setting up program gets tired. That Melissa and I have a joke of this term of chronic prompt fatigue. The, the non-ADD partner gets tired of that prompting and doing that, and they get to a point of frustration. And when they finally figure out it's ADHD, there can be this moment where the non-ADD partner is like, I'm done. You go figure this out. And when you figured out this ADHD, then come back. And that sets up a really tough dilemma for the ADHD person. Kim, I have to say that I empathize with those partners as somebody whose partner also has ADHD, which is a new experience for me. My ex-husband did not have ADHD and our dynamic in a lot of ways when we got married was similar to yours and your wife's. But one of the challenges that my partner and I had to work through is the fact that he also has ADHD. And while he is doing his own work, he hasn't been at it nearly as long as I have. And because I do this for a living, yeah. early in our relationship, he would often forget that this stuff is hard for me too. Just because I'm being successful doesn't mean it's not a struggle for me. And certainly doesn't mean that I can be your executive function too. I can barely be my own. <laughs> and so, you know, it was just an interesting set of conversations we had to have early in our relationship to figure out what that was and what was frustrating. And thankfully, something we were able to do by virtue of the fact that we've each done our own work and by virtue of the fact of what I do for a living. But I can definitely see how that could go differently and just turn into years of resentment building. And that's so often what we see with our clients in this situation is a partner who is resentful. Yes. So resentment is something that once it's in place and firmly in place, it's really hard to walk that back. It's like one of those sort of end stage emotions in a relationship that as trust starts to go away and communication starts to go away and caring starts to go away, it's replaced by anger and resentment. I love what you said earlier about doing your own work. And I think that's something that happens here. So the difficult thing is when you have someone so close to you, removing that support and that caring and that resentment and anger and ultimatum, address this or else, actually creates a freeze in the prefrontal cortex. It makes it so much harder for that person with the ADHD to be successful. Now, is it untenable? No, I wouldn't say so. But what we've done over the years is because we've been in this dynamic where we've had this structure around us, we orient to their measurements of success. And this is a point where you may have to go it alone for a time and to separate your own measurements of success and expectations and needs from your partner's identification of that. So it's sort of like taking your Uno cards and starting to play a game of Uno. So you can be successful. And again, with that too, comes detaching from your spouse's outcome, detaching from what they're looking for, detaching from what it is you think you have to do to quote unquote, save this relationship. Because attaching to that makes this work almost impossible. It's again, the same situation as a client when their back is against the wall at work. This idea of 
you can create curiosity there, but only if you can detach from outcome. Right. So again, with those emotions in play in your primary relationship, what I like to say is the goalposts or the game gets harder and harder, that it's a natural phenomenon that when you have resentment and anger, it takes the goalposts and makes them narrower and they start to be moved farther and farther back. So it's harder and harder to win the game and you don't have the support of this individual. And so that separation can feel really scary, but it may be the necessary move. The thing that happens though, is often we get tripped up in our sequencing and think, you know, I really need my partner's support here and I have to have that before I can proceed. So listeners, you can see that dilemma there. So starting to go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and work on this. And with communication, of course, don't just start, by the way, because practicing that communication helps to create safety, right? Part of that resentment and anger is tethered to the pool and the deep end of the pool and fear. Your spouse doesn't understand this. They know it in name. And it's like, you go address this. But remember, when you forget their birthday, when you forget Valentine's Day, when you forget to pay the taxes or pay the bills or do something that they asked you to do three times, they don't say, oh, yes, that's their ADHD. It goes to the making of meaning, right? Every human has that meaning-making factor. It's like, oh, this really means they don't care. They must not be invested in us. If they were invested in us, they would do, right? And Shelly, as you said, it's the dilemma here is around sensing and accessing, right? To sense what is going on and then to do it, to actually get some touches on it. So to put this another way, and man, this is going back to early podcast days. This is back to the universal ADHD question. Why do I not do what I know I ought to do? And that question with ADHD on board can be as much a mystery to us as it is for those around us. The difference is for those around us, they see that behavior and they connect it to incorrect causes. They don't care. They're selfish. They're lazy. They're unmotivated. And somewhere deep inside, we know those things aren't true. But again, we lack language. So much of this podcast is about articulating different ADHD experiences to help you listeners start to cultivate some language of your own. Cultivate that internal understanding first of what's really happening for you when you don't do what you know you ought to do so that you can then translate that to someone else. And also we talked about early in the podcast, translation isn't for everyone. Meaning translation is not for that asshole boss that's still going to be an asshole if you advocate for yourself. It's not for that family member that doesn't believe ADHD is real and thinks we're drugging up the kids with meth. You're... <laughs> Listen, that. <laughs> that was such a pet peeve for me. Oh, yeah. Anyway, but it is for accessing support, number one. And number two repairing where there's an opportunity to repair. By virtue of 
helping the other person better understand what's going on for you and bridging that gap between Texas Hold'em and Uno. That's so well said. You know, so we've shared a couple things already. And I think the one that's coming to mind is our BEANS acronym, BEANS, right? So BEANS is B-E-A-N-S, boundaries, expectations, agreements, needs, and safety. And so starting with, if you're in a place like you've set up a defensive position and you cannot agree on what is going on, and the dilemma is to, first of all, agree to disagree, and then move up to from this sort of positional argument to aspirational. Coming back to why are we together and this idea of that differences complement. Right? Are we trying to build two individuals that think exactly the like? No, of course not. Shelly's laughing at me, people. <laughs> I almost feel like we should leave that one in. It was pretty good. Oh, yeah. Let's leave it in. <laughs> all right. Well, then you can leave all this into editor. So here's a little inside baseball as to how we talk to our editor on the side. And that doesn't even scratch the surface of the funny stuff y'all miss <laughs> that gets left on the cutting room floor. Anyway, so coming up to this aspirational in the sense of what can we agree on? That's what my wife and I did was to really move away from these positions we were defending, getting defensive, getting dismissive, rejecting, to really what is aspirational? What do we care about? What do we value? Going back to last week's episode. Yeah, I just want to chime in and say my ex-husband and I also did this. And I think that's important to call out because my decision to divorce, number one, was mine. It wasn't my partner frustrated with my ADHD and throwing his hands up. But number two, and more importantly, was informed by a lot of awareness and a lot of translation between the two of us. And that's what we're looking for in doing this work. We've talked about my model of yours, mine, and ours in relationships before. And particularly in this type of situation, Oftentimes, all the ADHD person has control of at first is what is strictly theirs. And then there might be some opportunity to do some co-creating in the realm of ours, to try and do some translation work after they've laid a good foundation. Again, to try and start building a bridge from Texas Hold'em to Uno with their partner. However, anything outside of what's mine whether it's ours or whether it's theirs, we don't have full control over. We can invite the other person in, but we can't make them walk through the door. And so that's what I mean when I say detaching from outcome. Cam and I had very different outcomes to a very similar dilemma, but the commonality there is this was informed choice in both cases. This wasn't, we're just so frustrated, we give up. Or in Cam's case, this is frustrating, but we're just going to grit our teeth and keep grinning and bearing it. And so that's why the notion of detaching from outcome is so important. I had a client ask me, we were talking about difficulty in his relationship. He asked me without asking me. And it was interesting because that conversation started when he got really defensive when I was noticing his language and what he was sharing. And so 
I told him this, I'm neither for or against your relationship. I'm for a life that fits for you. And that is my job as a coach. Whatever that looks like, there is no judgment here. A, I only know what you tell me. I don't live in your house or in your relationship. And B, at the end of the day, my job is to help you get closer to a life that fits for you. Whatever that looks like in the context of this relationship and the current difficulties. That's so well said, Shelly. So listeners, what can you do here? A couple of things that Shelly and I want to make really clear. And when you get in these situations, often is, again, you find ADHD is the culprit and all eyes are on the ADHD and it's that's the thing. And we will say that's never the thing. Back to what Shelly was talking about, ours, theirs, and ours. There's always, every partner has their own stuff. One of the toughest dynamics to work with is ADHD and anxiety, your partner's anxiety. And so those have an interesting dynamic. And so your client has their own work. And if they're not willing to own that or do that, then again, detaching from outcome and working on your own stuff. But back to that idea, Shelly, you were talking about back against the wall. You can't create positive change when our backs are against the wall and this sense of impending urgency or ultimatums, pressure. And so that beans thing of safety, of first getting to safety, to get to safety and addressing everyone's needs, addressing your own needs. And this is why we start with self-care practices is to start to work on these things that matter only to you, my own stuff. And in doing so, then you start to develop awareness around the ADHD, right? The barriers to awareness, the barriers to action and practice, the barriers to learning. And as you go and you start to develop agreements with your partner, you can then get to this place of starting to discuss expectations, Right. And when you can start to have a meaningful conversation of their expectations, and then you start to erect your own expectations for yourself, for the relationship, that is separating from that parent child dynamic. We want to separate from that and stand on our own two feet. That's also putting yourself in the picture. No, right on. Ceasing being the blame sponge, taking all of the blame for what's not working in this relationship, putting it all on ADHD and being in that picture, being at choice about what you want and what matters to you too. So that there truly is a yours, mine, and ours rather than just a yours and ours. Well said. All right. So have we come to a nice natural stopping place, Shelly? I think we have, Cam. Listeners, did you, how about that pass off right there? Oh boy, that didn't sound completely <laughs> contrived at all. You know, someday I am going to make you do the outro, just <laughs> FYI, because the listeners need to hear how freaking terrible you are at it. So every once in a while, early in the podcast days, never. He's, he's long since quit doing it's it. It's in my contract. <laughs> every once in a while, Cam would say, okay, I'm going to do the outro today. I got it. And Folks, he didn't have it. He's never had it. Yeah, no, it's a train wreck. All right. Inelegant landing here at the end of the episode, but here we are. We've landed. So speaking of the outro, let's go there. But before I go there, if you haven't listened to the outro in a while, I'm going to ask you to honor my hard work in doing that each week by giving it a little listen and seeing how you can help us out. So 
three big ways you can help us out if you like what we're doing on the show. The first is leave a review wherever you listen. Reviews help other people find the show. Your language around why you like our show helps other people see and connect to what our show is about. And that's really cool. Number two, don't keep us a secret. Share us on social. Share us at work if you have an ADHD or neurodivergent support group. Share us with the other neurodivergents in your life. And again, for the coaches, therapists, doctors, and other professionals that are sharing us as a resource with your ADHD clients and patients, thank you so very much for that. And finally, you can help financially support the show, which gives Cam and I the ability to retain our editor and our assistant and takes a lot of the workload of running this podcast off of us and quite frankly, brings you a better product for $5 a month. To do this, visit the website translatingadhd.com, click on the Patreon link in the upper right-hand corner. And not only are you helping us cover those administrative costs, you also gain access to our Discord community where our listeners are working together to do their own understand, own, and translate work. So until next week, I'm Shelly. I'm Cam. And this was the Translating ADHD Podcast. Thanks for listening.